Welcome to Can I Cake It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I'm joined by... Andy Garbuga. Number one Friday night stay in Cullen, actually. Emilio Diaz. All right, and we are kicking off uh, Claire Denis month today. Uh, we're going to be uh, talking about uh, uh, Beau Travail, Trouble Every Day, and Friday Night. Uh, the kind of uh, series, consecutive series of three films, and uh, to talk about those three films, we're joined by uh, film critic from New York Magazine, uh, Bill Gabiri. <laughs> Hi, good to be back. Welcome back. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for joining us again. Uh, very happy to be here. Uh, you guys are always really good about talking about interesting movies, so. Like, perhaps given the nature of the podcast. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially this month, spoiled for choice. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Claire Denis, uh, one, of, one of my favorite directors and uh, one of the more interesting characters out there, I think, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah, we're, I guess... We have like maybe mentioned it once or twice on the podcast that we're doing that this this month that we're doing Denis month. Uh, it's it's been mentioned on our, our social media and stuff too. We haven't probably hyped it up in the way that we really maybe intended to, but uh, but yeah, we're talking about all sets different sets of movies with fun guests all month. Uh, but to to get us started, Bill, tell us a little bit about your history with Claire Denis. When did you first uh, learn who she was, and what did you what's your what's your history with her? Movie? You know, my first experience with Claire Denis was was with chocolat um when it came out um and you know i was in i was in washington dc i was uh, you know i was a teenager really getting into film and everything and um you know her work came right at the right time right because her um i remember uh, if, if i remember correctly in um the washington post when chocolat came out it noted that she had been a, an assistant to Vim Vendors and a couple other filmmakers. So it was kind of like, oh, yeah, hey, this sounds like somebody I should check out. Um, so so it was, you know, so it was early. I mean, it's, you know, start of her career. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, for several years, I didn't see her work as much. And I don't know how well um, it was released. I mean, Chocolat was kind of an art house mm-hmm. thing. Um the subsequent films, I think maybe less so for a little while. Although, you know, you kind of knew who Claire Denis was. And, you know, you would see videos of her films show up here and there. Um, but it wasn't... I, I, I think I'd seen one other film in the meantime, but it wasn't until um, Beau Travail uh, that, that I was like, oh, right, Claire Denis. Claire Denis, you know, that's right. You know, mm-hmm. like... She's a thing, um, and of course, I, that film was kind of a break breakthrough uh, for her. I mean, I remember seeing it. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw it at the New York Film Festival, and you know, immediately, uh, you know, that film had an impact, um, and and it was different because it was quite a different film from Chocolat, and I think it does mark a kind of break in her career, not break, but kind of a, a pivot point in her career because um, when I interviewed her couple of years ago she talked about Botrevai and you know shooting it and how um, it, it really uh, made her realize um, that she didn't have to kind of uh, 
fill every narrative hole and that she could leave certain things unsaid. Uh, and part of that was just because of necessity. They were shooting in Djibouti and they had very little time. And uh, instead of making sure she got every single you know, point of the story, right? She, you know, she had, she started off shooting just these long training exercises. And, uh, you know, one of her, I guess one of her uh, actors had been in the French Foreign Legion. So, you know, it was almost like a technical advisor and they kind of just shot these and, and it was almost like shooting rehearsals. So they just started shooting. Um, and, and then, you know, when they were finished or they, I mean, she just ran out of time uh, and she, wound up back in France with this footage uh, and she was just freaking out like I have completely failed to tell my story and I just have hours and hours of these of these dudes working out um, and then you know in the in the editing room they, they fashioned um, basically Beau you know and, and I mean you've seen the film obviously mm -hmm. so you know how uh, bizarre and elliptical uh it is and how you know suggestive <laughs> and so many important plot points are just never stated and so much of it is kind of stitched together with voiceover but the voiceover never really explains anything either um it's sure, kind of like yeah. I, I i think of it as kind of like days of heaven uh, i mean you guys have probably heard the story about days of heaven okay. how it was mm -hmm. basically a salvage job um you know some of the greatest films in history are wind up having been salvage jobs and mm -hmm. there's a i think there is a particular kind of artist that can pull that off not everybody can do it obviously but yeah. claire denis mm -hmm. proved that she was that kind of artist and i think she was never quite the same filmmaker after that um and certainly i did not see her films in the same light after that i mean obviously the the i mean i'm, I'm pretty sure i've seen all the films uh they're all wonderful. Um, I mean, to varying degrees of whatever. A couple of I don't particularly care for, but um, but you know, they they all reflect her sensibility. She's never been. I don't think she's ever compromised in that way. Um, but it but it is interesting how you know after Bo Trevi, I mean her her profile as a filmmaker I think rises, but also, um, you know, the style of the films changes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, Malik is like that's an interesting comparison i definitely because like i remember going like after seeing the rest of malik not to just take a malik detour but like okay. seeing the rest of it and then going back to badlands and being like this feels like so almost like rigid comparatively <laughs> to like his 2010s movie and it's like mm -hmm. days of heaven is sort of that like breaking point to where it's mm -hmm. like uh thin red line is like you know the point in overturn where it's like oh i'm just going to do this only and like there's like a little bit more um, in, uh, in, you know, Badlands. And then like, yeah, with Denis, uh, I think it was just like by virtue of like us about to do this and uh, Criterion Channel had a few of her like harder to find like early movies that were expiring. And uh, so I was like going through those and like um, No Fear, No Die and uh, um, Shock a lot uh, are like much more uh, not structured, but just like it, it is like what you're saying of like Botrevi, she like develops her style much more, like almost from what you're saying, like by necessity. And then uh, going forward, it's just like this is what yeah. she does. And like we'll get to it, but like Friday night, I think is like 
almost like the most that style that she does mm-hmm. that I've seen yeah. so far. Like, um, and I love <laughs> it so much. Uh, but yeah, let's talk uh, some Beautravai. Uh, mm-hmm. I think um, the first time I saw it was like three or four years ago. And it's like a movie that uh, has this like monumental reputation. Uh, and then for so long, <laughs> you could only see it in like DVD quality. Like uh, if you weren't seeing it like, uh, you know, projected. Um, yeah. And uh, so it was like, when I saw it, I was like, this movie is like, uh, like just the purest thing that I've like seen of like uh, an artist's vision and I was like, I'm never gonna see it like projected because like I don't ever like, I I wasn't like living near any like mm-hmm. bigger cities that play it. Uh, and then when like you know Criterion put out the restoration, <laughs> I was like, this is gonna be insane. And they like had that first trailer come out, and I was like, this is insane. Yeah. <laughs> and I like finally get to like when the Blu-ray came out, I think I watched it then, and then I rewatched it again like a few days ago for this, and it's just like. It's, like, maybe the best movie. It's hard <laughs> to talk about, I think, yeah. because it's just, like, it does everything right. Yes. And, uh, you know, Levant is such, like, an interesting performer, and uh, my only, like, real other exposure to him is, like, I think, um, like, uh, Holy Motors and then that uh, that Rick Alverson movie, <laughs> The Mountain. The Mountain. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Where he's like insane in that movie, but like he's you know, always he's insane. The guy who <laughs> he has never yeah, not he, been insane. I don't big. think. <laughs> um, and then like he's so like it's just like a bottling of him in Bojovai until like the end, and then like mm-hmm. especially like over the credits. Um, but it's just like every like image in that movie. I just like it's so just gorgeous to look at, and especially with the restoration, it's like jaw drop. And like, I don't know. There's just so much to say about Metrobi. <laughs> yeah, I similarly my it was my the first Denis movie that I'd seen, and it was uh, also on like a not very good looking DVD. And I was, I was just like, I don't get this uh, when I first saw it. Uh, and I think part of that was that. Uh, I really struggle with uh, movies where I uh, cannot tell the actors apart, and so at the time I was only familiar with Levant, so I was like, oh, it's just Denny Levant and then a bunch of uh, uh, bald Frenchmen who I can't tell the difference between. Like, I... It's... I don't think I would have been able to identify uh, who... Uh, Gregoire Collan uh, was uh, <laughs> having seen the movie for the first time to be honest uh, but then yeah it was th- this Criterion restoration and part of it is that I definitely had like a, a breakthrough with Denis a few films in uh, with U.S. Go Home actually which we'll talk about next week uh, uh, but yeah this Criterion restoration which I finally caught last night was like an absolute uh, revelation like my thought was kind of just like oh yeah if you were gonna uh, teach a class where you're just like explaining all of the things that film can do it's like this is the best example of like all of them like editing and sound and cinematography obviously it just looked amazing uh, 
Yeah. Not pre-production, clearly. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Except for the screenwriting part. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I've been sort of a similar boat to Jesse, where I watched it for the first time and was like, that's interesting. I don't know if I really get it. But then I think my experience with Claire Denis, I think this is a, an experience that I think people often tend to have when they start like really opening themselves up to this sort of cinema which is like oh maybe there isn't really that much to get maybe there's just like you just have to sit with what's there and Mm -hmm. just like sort of think with it there's not like like there is some depth and some profundity but it's less that and more like like whatever this reflects within you and just like sitting with these images and whatever Mm -hmm. that conjures up and I had like and it's like I watched Botravai first and was just like sort of mixed on it because I just sort of didn't get it then I watched uh, High Life and I got it a little more and then I watched Let the Sunshine In and I was like oh yeah I fully get it this fully clicked for me entirely and it's like one of those things where it like sort of like makes you go back and then like put that filter through the movies you've already seen and I was like oh no I understand what she's doing and what she's saying about like desire in these movies but yeah it's like the images within it just like every look that Levant gives like Levant is known for being this like very like physical performer I very much enjoy him in like Holy Motors and uh Mauvais Sang which he's like absolutely fantastic in but yeah those are very physical performances and this one is a lot of like looking until the end and he has a great face for looking he's got those intense eyes and yeah just the sort of I I it's like one of those movies every time I think about it I like it a little more and I get a little more from it and it's I'm glad to have I'm I it's very interesting. I don't know. Andy talk. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess I am the most like, like the least seen on Denis, I think of, of, of us. And uh, like, it was my first time seeing Botrevai, uh watching it for this uh, uh, a couple days ago on, on the on Criterion channel. Uh, and I, yeah, it was definitely the, the, of the movies that we watched for this. It was the one that I responded to the most. Uh, I, um, yeah, I mean, just, like, the images, of course, like, there were, like, even, like, seeing it, like, streamed, which I imagine is not as good as the Blu-ray quality, there were times where I was, like, wow, like, the the, the image is, like, so good, it, it like, it's it, it really does look, it almost at times looks like it is, like, meant to show off, like, what your TV can do. Like, it's, like, it, it comes <laughs> close to, like, matching, like, the, like, going to, like, Best Buy or BJ's or whatever, and it's all, like nature footage and stuff like how like bright and vivid it is and like how striking it is uh is i think like it it's almost in that realm for me in a way that i was like this is this is just very cool uh and and yeah and and just like the 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 environment it it depicts both like the environment like the actual physical like natural environment and also the environment of the, the the legion of all the, of all the of all these men together uh and then occasionally visits into uh the the civilians who they're they're nearby i think like just the way it's able to capture sort of that that sort of relationship that like that the 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 way that yeah the the use of the training exercises and stuff like it's just like 
you know, the closest analog I have in my life, because I am far from, like, the type of person who would do anything like, like, is, like, thinking about, like, the acting classes I have taken in my life and like the, the, like the, the warm up exercises that we would do together and like the way that that creates like a bond with people and like, just like physically, like, you know, preparing yourself or for whatever. And like how much of this movie is about like preparing yourself for things that like, aren't necessarily going to be happening anytime soon, mm -hmm. I think is like, it's yeah, it's, it, it captures so much of that so well. And I think is, is somewhat helped by the like the lack of necessarily like like story being depicted on scene because it it just does create that sort of atmosphere of like yeah we're like we're gonna spend the time like doing these things to like get ready or for whatever and then like is anything gonna happen maybe not probably not like who knows and uh yeah it's just that that sort of energy that it captures i think is like really wonderful it's interesting yeah. how uh, as the more films get, and I, I would never call Claire Denis an experimental filmmaker, but the more films get towards that abstract, experimental um, border, mm. the less they need to be about anything, you know? Like, the, I, I mean, I, I always find that fascinating because when people talk about, like, experimental cinema or avant-garde cinema as being difficult, actually... The challenge of that st stuff is, is that it's not difficult. There's there's nothing to figure out. You, you're kind of left on your own, and you have mm -hmm. to just let it kind of wash over you. Um, <laughs> and you know, and you can have a million different interpretations of what you're watching, or you can have no interpretations of what you're watching, and it's all kind of valid. And that's in some ways more challenging than who did what, when, where, and who was that guy, and why did he do right. this? You know. Um, you know, like in that sense, like The Godfather is a much more challenging movie for me to watch than, you know, Bo Trevi, <laughs> because Bo Trevi, you know, you just, mm -hmm. it's 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 vibes, it's just vibes, right? And but but within that, you know, there's all this stuff going on, right? I mean, there's there's this like the the homoerotic tension, um, the 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 idea of you know being you know, completely um, alienated from France in this weird way. I mean, the French Foreign Legion, you know, at this point in its existence, um, certainly as depicted in the film, it, it's no longer a, a colonial or imperial force. It's just this, like, weird existential state of being, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like, the fact that they're doing all these maneuvers and... and, um, and, and drills with guns no gun ever goes off in this movie um right, right? and mm -hmm. and then the fact that uh, you know you guys mentioned denny levant um you know he's known for these kind of explosive performances obviously very physical this is uh, this is like the ultimate denny levant performance in some ways but you know like you never quite get the the explosion until the very end when you get like the most denny levant scene mm -hmm. ever right um, <laughs> because he was known for kind of these like you know big dance dancey kind of sequence. I mean you know if you've mm -hmm. seen um, uh, Les Amants de Pont Neuf or Lovers on the Bridge, uh, you know a couple of people mentioned uh, Mauvais Song, um, and um, so it is when you watch the film, there are all these like tiny little things popping up that could mean something or not. Uh, and the hope is right. that as you watch it and you just absorb everything, that these ideas will suggest themselves to you, but it's not necessarily 
this this is what the movie's about and this is what happened and then this is what I like I mean I've seen this thing maybe five or six times it was only like on fifth viewing that I realized that it's, it has a flashback structure right um, like it would yeah. occasionally cuts to him in wearing something that is not obviously uh, you know something you would wear in the heat of Djibouti but it just never like I just never quite noticed oh right he's been in Marseille this whole time he's just thinking back like I when he shows up in Marseille right. at the mm -hmm. end I thought that was just like linear progression doesn't matter exactly. I mean it's kind it matters to a certain mm -hmm. extent um, but like this type of film you always discover something new with it um, and that's mm -hmm. the beauty of being able to rewatch uh, these male films it, it, it's interesting I, I feel like Beautrevai, uh and Trouble Every Day, um, to a lesser extent, Friday Night, um, are, uh, in some ways are maybe Claire Denis' most high-profile movies because Beautrevai is, you know, considered by many people to be her masterpiece. Um, and Trouble Every Day yeah. has, you know, stars. I mean, obviously, before High Life. Um, yeah. But they're also... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were also, for a long time, two of the hardest films of hers to see. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. all her films have been kind of to varying degrees of, you know, not quite properly <laughs> released. But um, Beautrevai mm -hmm. had that. Yeah, you guys mentioned the DVD. I mean, for for the longest time, that was there was this Fox Lorber DVD that had been really awkwardly uh, converted from a PAL release. And you could see like every time anyone moved quickly, like the, 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 the screen would like this. I think it's called mackereling. You know, there, there, there was this like weird effect mm -hmm, on the yeah. screen. It was unwatchable DVD. Um, so like I had that DVD for years, and every time I put it in, I was like, oh, I can't do this. Like I said, you know, and I'm <laughs> I, know, I have a yeah. pretty high threshold for you know shitty copies. Uh, like I grew up right. in the mm -hmm. you know tenth generation VHS dupe era, um, and I couldn't mm -hmm. like I couldn't. I think I maybe managed to sit through my DVD of the thing once. Um, so when it, yeah, when, when the Criterion game came out, I was like, I was all over that. Yeah. Um, and it does look really nice on the Criterion channel, by the way. Um, I, I mean, I have the, I have the Blu-ray, uh, but I keep not opening it because the, the Criterion, <laughs> like, you know, on a nice TV, the Criterion channel version looks fantastic. Um, and then Trouble Every Day, I don't know. I mean, I have a Turkish DVD of it I bought, you know, years ago, like, I think like not long after its release. And I think maybe it played anthology in New York like uh, for a week or something, but I don't think it's ever had a proper release. Um, you know. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, Trouble Every Day, uh, um, Kim Stim put out a DVD of it like really early in their existence in like 2014 that looks okay, that hasn't really been uh, upgraded to, it hasn't been upgraded to Blu-ray yet, I'd imagine, because there's with the form it exists in. There's no real reason to. I know you saw Treble Every Day, Emilio, and we don't have to jump forward to it yet because there's probably plenty more to say about uh, Beautreville, but you saw it on uh, a print at Metrograph, yeah. and that was not in good shape either, right? No, it was, like, very... Like, a lot of cigarette burns, a very crazy-looking print. And it was, like, it was like the second time I've ever seen a film, like, screened in film because I'm not <laughs> from a place where that happens. But, uh, so I was just like, wow, I guess this is what it looks like. It's really authentic. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> like, you can, like, look, I, like, looking back, it's like, y you can tell it was just, like, a very old print that was not 
that well maintained. Like, I don't want to blame anyone in particular. It was like a fun watching experience, but it was very crazy looking, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was, uh, yeah, we, we don't have to get ahead of ourselves, but yeah, I mean, I remember Trouble Every Day was, was a, a troubled release, um, and it didn't, you know, there was this, there was this sense that it, it was a flop of some sorts, um, mm -hmm. but, you know, I, I didn't even get to really read any reviews of it. I mean, the critic, the critic friends I knew all loved it, so, um, so I was always kind of like, is it actually a flop or did it just not come out, you know? Um, and I could never yeah. quite tell. Uh, but yeah, and, and then and, and Friday Night also is a film that is not that easy to see. Um, which, and this yeah. is possibly, you know, Claire Denis, I would say, you know, I mean, the, the, the run from Beau Travai to uh, Trouble Day to Friday Night is, is a really kind of important part of her like this is when she's kind of kicking on all cylinders right um so yeah. it's kind of weird that the films that she made during this period are, are maybe uh i mean it's it's being corrected now but but they're maybe not uh mm -hmm. or for for a long time were, were harder to find um so mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah but i do one thing i i wanted to say about botravai and another reason why i loved it i mean watching this film the first time you know the thing that was just that gave me such joy was that it never seemed to make a, a wrong move, which is a weird thing to say about a movie that, you know, what what would a wrong move constitute for uh, yeah. for Boat Revive? But you know, I was I was with it. I mean, I, the the fact, the fact that it b begins with a Turkish pop song, you know, it basically won me over immediately. Mm. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, here we go. Um, but. Uh, yeah. But the fact that you know, and, and then also the the fact that it brings in um, uh, Michel Subor as Bruno Forestier, um, Le Petit mm -hmm. Soldat is one of my, you know, all time favorite uh, Godard films. Um, that another film that actually in its time was very hard to see, and for many many years was impossible. I mean, you, this is you know this predates you guys' time, but for the longest time it was impossible mm -hmm. to see Le Petit Soldat. Like I had somehow managed to get lucky in 1989 i think back when bravo tv um actually showed art house films without commercials <laughs> the craziest the craziest transformation so of a uh, channel God. ever um but yeah. i recorded yeah. le petit soldat off like a godard marathon they did back then so i had a copy <laughs> so they, they showed like le petit soldat and le carabinier two of the hardest godard films to find back back then <laughs> Without commercials, beautiful prints, like yellow subtitles, so you didn't have to worry about the white subtitle problem. Just yeah. pristine. Mm -hmm. I, I, like, I don't think people even knew such versions of the films existed back then. Um, well, they should bring that back. I know, right? Not I mean, somebody like... Real Housewives. Just yeah, like, somebody no. buy Bravo back and just like... Right. That'd be so funny. Or, yeah, and force Andy Cohen to like introduce yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then like have like yeah, an hour-long conversation Osborne. afterwards with like the, the people in the movie. Exactly. Yeah, with one of the Housewives. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, um, but so, uh, so when suddenly in the middle of this completely random movie, like Bruno Forestier shows up from Le Petit Soldat, I was like, all right, this is one, like a movie designed specifically to appeal to me. And also what the fuck, you know, because it's also like, does it matter that this is the guy from Le Petit, like, it's not, the movie's not a sequel to Le Petit Soldat. Um, yeah. but I just love the fact that it just drops that in there and 
and makes that part of his history. You know, they're talking about, you know, the, the rumors about him during the Algerian War, and that's, you know, when Petit uh, Soldat is set. set. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's like a, a, a great little fuck you. You know, here is like the... I'm I'm creating the Le Petit Soldat cinematic universe here. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and and so the the film is great in that sense because it it does give you these little things all, all along the way, where it it shows its hand a little bit, and and you know simultaneously gives you new information and also makes the point that it doesn't really matter, um, and that's a very. Uh, it's a very sophisticated thing for a filmmaker to do properly without completely alienating uh, her audience. Yeah. yeah. The way that it just goes, it's such like a great way to like use the club scenes where it like starts out with just like the sort of soldiers chanting and then like cut to the music and like everyone in the club. And it's like a movie we, we like talking about its reputation, like, I had no idea that it was like that there was like gonna be like pop music in it the first time I saw it, so I was like, oh my gosh! And then like the ending, the only comparison that is like coming to mind right now because I just watched it for the first time is like Andre Rublev of like it's this you know it's a pretty like uh, Bochavar is like a pretty bold movie, but it's like reserved in a way until that ending, and it's like the same thing of like. Andre Rublev going from black and white to like Abby and just punching you with all this color and like all the paintings and it's like we get to see the guy's paintings and then like in Butterfly we get to see Levant dance to Rhythm of the Night and it's like one of the best scenes in a movie uh, mm-hmm. and it's just like such a like smart thing to like hold that off until the end and then like the way like you were saying not knowing like that it's flashbacks it wasn't until this viewing that I was like oh when he's like cutting down trees that's not like his place at like the you know like where they're all like hanging out like that's like him in france like it's such a crazy crazy thing uh mm-hmm. but yeah that movie just you could just look at it for hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. yeah to talk about the the plot just a little bit to the extent that there is one what struck me about it on this viewing was oh it's kind of the same idea uh as uh burning uh of basically just like oh this this main character there's another guy who he thinks there's something up with him and he's not gonna let it go uh and of course as elliptical as burning is this is even more elliptical uh and i think both of those films uh it's tempting to see them as kind of a puzzle that you can solve and but they're really not i mean there's there's more and more things you can get out of them but really it is just like i don't know maybe there is something up with this guy maybe there is something wrong with him but i mean it's more it's more clear why uh the main character in burning thinks that there's something wrong with steven yoon as well but uh yeah that was interesting yeah that ending is i think one of the beautiful things about it is it it comes from comes out of nowhere and yet is you can't imagine 
the film without it. You know, I mean, it, it's the perfect yeah, ending. Right. It's like it's like Andre Rublev, right? Um, like once it happens, you're like, of course that's the ending. How could there be possibly yeah, exactly be right. another way to end this movie? Uh, and yet, it's it seems like the the, the the craziest thing anyone's ever done. Um, and certainly, I remember at the at the first screening. I mean, it's just it, it was like, you know, I, I mean, it was levitational when it when it when it happened. I mean, you could <laughs> sense. It's not like people were applauding. I don't think, but but you could sense right. just like the energy in the room because it's you you feel. There's the what the fuck element, but then there's also the just the release, right? I mean, the, his release, but then like the audience's release too. Um, and it's when a, when something like that happens, and it happens uh, in a you know crowded audience, uh, it's incredible. I mean, it's just like the the, the energy of that moment, even if you're not necessarily hearing you know, laughter or applause or anything like that. I mean, there is there is a certain thing that happens when, like, a group of people are in a room together. You can kind of just feed and, or feel uh, the energy uh, emanating from everybody, and it's, it's r wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, one of the things where, I guess, I knew about the ending going in because, it, like, its reputation sort of precedes it. So you, like, mm -hmm. sort of understand that, this is a scene from Bo Travai. There's like this dance thing, like Rhythm of the Night has been a song that has sort of like come in waves of popularity over the years so many times that it sort of, <laughs> it, you develop a weird relationship to it. But yeah, I can't imagine like sitting in a theater, like first time nobody's ever seen the movie and then that comes on, like what that does to you. That must be yeah, insane. Right. It's like I see dead people. <laughs> like everyone's like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, and it is it, it talking about that. It is interesting because like the other two movies we're going to talk about today, I like had a harder time with, and I think it's maybe just because like these are like the opposite of like great movies to watch like at home in the middle of a pandemic where you've been stuck inside forever. Mm -hmm. Like there's like there's so like little like dialogue to latch onto that they're so not flashy that like this one like it has that like a little bit of the, more of that like flashiness. I think that like really grabbed me uh and was like yeah this is this is like there's a lot going on here and like it's 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 able to like connect with my brain at this moment in time which is not uh not necessarily true of uh many movies that i'm seeing uh, these days um yeah but yeah i can imagine like yeah seeing it in a theater i think yeah it would just be like so exciting to 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 yeah to have that and like yeah i mean i guess there's a couple other moments where there's like like a big like there's that big explosion right and then like the the there's yeah. in the in the rescue at sea and like there's like a couple of like bigger moments in this one that i think it's like interesting where it's like yeah we're sort of gesturing towards like the like the exciting life that like might be but like then there's so much other stuff that's not that that i think like the contrast really really comes out for me and when i think when i think back on the movie well, or the the, yeah, the punch, yeah. you know, like this this, I mean, the punch right? Is so yeah. It's building Crazy. up to this confrontation, and it is just this completely phony, fake, you know, right. I, I mean, patently, yeah. you know, fake punch that's shot also in a way that is completely, um, and, I mean, what what does one do with that? I mean, this this whole thing, like this whole thing, is so authentically physical throughout, and you know, you so clearly these people are doing mm -hmm. all these yeah. things, and then when it comes to the one real moment of violence. 
it's so clearly nobody's doing anything. <laughs> um, right. uh, yeah. and it just it just swallows you in that way. I mean, we we mentioned Malik, but you know he does something similar in uh, the New World, right? Where, um, you know, like the suddenly there's like this moment where it looks like there's like gonna some plot is gonna kick in, and he just like cuts cut, cut like just chops it to pieces, and it's over in like five seconds, and you're like, wait, what? You know, um, but that's a way of you know, I mean, that's a way of a filmmaker tipping their hand again uh to a certain degree to let you know sort of where maybe it's worth paying attention to and 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 that these rhythms are are more important necessarily than than what actually happened you know yeah 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 it's interesting as far as what it's interesting to think about what her relationship with film festivals has been it's kind of hard to tell looking back because like Chocolat, uh, her first film is in competition at Cannes, and then that's her only movie that's ever been in competition at Cannes. And in general, she, in general, her movies are not in competition at ma major festivals. They usually play out of competition, as is the case with all three of these, I believe, uh, Beau Travail and Friday Night at Venice, and then Trouble Every Day at Cannes. And it's kind of hard to tell, like. There's the sort of two out types of out-of-competition films, which is like, oh, this is, like, too legendary a, fil a filmmaker for competition, uh, or, like, this is someone who is too weird for competition, or just, like, not, not quite ready, and it's, like, hard to tell at, like, which points of her career different festivals were sort of putting her out of competition for different reasons. Yeah, and th that is... I, you're right. It is It is very interesting. Um, I, I know for a fact that she and uh, Thierry Fermeau of Cannes are, are friends. Um, uh, just having... Uh, I mean, I, I've interviewed her a couple of times. I've also uh, had the chance to, to share a couple of car rides with her uh going from like one q a to another and uh got to hear her you know uh gossip about other filmmakers and festivals and things like that <laughs> which i will not reveal um but because because she yeah, she yeah. was she was i mean she's delightful in that sense she you know she she has no filter um but yeah uh but you know it's just it's not like she and thierry Frimeau are, are, are enemies or anything like that i mean i know mm -hmm. that it, but it, you're right. It is interesting, and it seems absurd that she wouldn't have had, you know, films in competition at Cannes all along. Yeah. And I and I don't know that it's just, oh, Cannes doesn't respect her. Um, it's entirely mm -hmm. possible that in some cases, you know, she didn't submit the films, or, you know, and, and it is interesting because of the type of filmmaker she is. You know, her work can be so so intimate and can seem like such a miniature. And it takes a while sometimes for, I mean, not, not Beau Travail. Beau Travail immediately seemed like a thing. But, like, Friday night, you know, mm. feels like a little doodle. Uh, and then you realize, whoa, wait, no, this is something else. Um, and so I think that, you know, maybe that prevents her from being able to, I don't know, kind of for the films to feel like major works from a major French filmmaker. Mm -hmm. uh you know, and Cannes does have a weird history with French films. Like the the, the French films that are shown mm -hmm. at Cannes are, um, can be very hit or miss, uh, and some of the best ones don't wind up there. Mm -hmm. It's 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 weird. Um, 
Right. I mean, there's definitely, I think in the past maybe five to six years, been several years where the French films and directors' Fortnite were better than the French films in competition. Like, I think the year that Let the Sunshine was a director's Fortnite, it's like playing alongside... What was that year? Uh, there was the Gorel, and I feel like there's another big one. Uh, and yeah, I will say as far as when I was following festivals, the sense that I got is that High Life, had it been ready a little bit earlier, might very well could have been back in competition at Cannes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think also... A lot of politics goes into these things, uh, from what I from what I understand. I mean, from from mm-hmm. having talked to various people who have premiered films at Cannes or or opted not to premiere films at Cannes. Uh, you know, there like, because what happens is very often, especially with known filmmakers, the festivals will jockey, right? And it'll be sort of a mm-hmm. we can offer you a premiere slot, uh, or mm-hmm. we can offer you a competition slot, um, and you know, w- w- what I know has happened with some filmmakers with Ken is Ken has said, I, we want to show you, show you, show your film. And the filmmaker says, I want to be in competition. And Ken says, can't put you in competition or can't put you in the main competition. Or mm-hmm. Ken says, we have to think about it. And in the meantime, Berlin comes along and says, we are putting you in competition, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they snatch mm-hmm. the film away. Um, so and, and and yeah, let the sunshine in. I believe was um, I mean I was there for it. I I, I think it was the o- mm-hmm. opening night of Directors Fortnight. Was it uh, or that sounds? Right. It was it was some kind of big moment for because you know mm-hmm. there was. I remember um, it was it, yes it was I yeah, am right shaking and they gave her an award and I I believe like uh, if I remember correctly you know Celine Chiama was there uh, you know it was like a big to do. Um, so it might have very well been a case where directors Fortnite was like, we'll give you this like opening right. night slot. Um, that kind of jockeying does happen at the same time. I mean, let's not, let's not pretend here. Can has had a terrible history with female filmmakers. Um, and, yeah. and, uh, you know, their, their, their bizarre inability to like recognize these films over and over. like in any individual year, you might say, "Oh yeah, well that one, you know, that kind of you know this, this competition, whatever, blah blah blah." And then like it happens over and over and over and over and over and over again, and you're kind of like, yeah. "Okay, well now right. it's getting ridiculous." Um, yeah, I mean, same thing happens with the with the awards, right? It's not like you any in any mm-hmm. given yeah. year you want to necessarily argue with the awards and the specific people on the awards body and be like, you know, why would like the year that. Uh, you know, happy as Lazaro, Lazaro Felice was there. I was like, well, mm-hmm. and, and there was all this, you know, all this talk about, you know, like they hadn't given enough, you know, mm-hmm. they'd only given one Palm d'Or to a female filmmaker, mm-hmm. and and I believe that was the was that the Kate Blanchett jury year. Um, so it seemed like everything was in place, and yeah. meanwhile, yeah. like Lazaro right. Felice was the best film in competition. Like I thought clearly. Um, I mean, I'm not, not everybody agrees, but at the time, I was like, all right, like that's the one. Like, give it to that one. <laughs> um, and <laughs> and, yeah. and I can't. Was that the uh, was that the um, Koreeda? Uh, yeah, shop, shop, which I yeah. Which, look. I love Koreeda. That was not my favorite Koreeda mm-hmm. film, but it's a good film. I'm not going to argue with him finally getting mm-hmm. his palm. He's also somebody who's been hovering on the edges of the palm for years. 
But I was like, well, this, I mean, mm-hmm. this could have been a good year to, to do the thing that you keep saying, you know, yeah. that you keep complaining that it's not happening. But at the yeah. same time, mm-hmm. like, how would it look if Thierry Fermo, like, forced himself on this jury and was like, no, 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 right. you have to do this. That'd sure. be terrible, right? Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it is, it is, she does, Claire Denis does have a, an interesting relationship to these festivals. And in so many ways, it seems like a natural for her films to be premiering at uh, at Cannes. Um, you know, she's. I would uh, just like mm-hmm. to say, for uh, Jesse's point earlier, the French films and directors Fortnite were "Let the Sunshine In," Jeanette, "The Childhood of Joan of Arc," right. and "Lover for a Day," the Philippe Gorel movie. Yeah. Right, which those are all really good, and I think that's the year that uh, uh, the uh, Rodin movie is right. in competition that no one has ever seen. Yeah, yeah. That that's uh, that, that again gets into the politics of it. You know that someone somewhere has some kind of there's some sort of deal, backroom deal where like mm-hmm. they have to show this movie because they probably the 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 producers rep or the distribution company um, probably had some other film that they really wanted and and you know they were probably right. like well you got to show the Pro Dan movie too. <laughs> yeah. Um. Can we talk a little trouble every day? Yeah, we should. Um, yeah, we should move move forward in in time a year. Jess uh, uh, was saying this one played directors Fortnite in or no, it was, it, was, it was just out of competition. Out of, oh, out of competition, right? Sorry, yes, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, we talked about it a little bit when we did um, our quote unquote spooky month because it is like you know the closest that Claire Denis gets to like a horror movie, and we're just sort of scraping. Uh, for these festival horror uh, movies, mm-hmm. uh, so we've talked about it a bit. Uh, but don't give. There's anything uh, you'd like to say about Trouble Every Day? Obviously. Uh, oh, just that it's. You know, I, I mean, I've seen it several times over the years. I, I rewatched it recently, uh, knowing we were going to do this. Uh, my my reaction to it changes a little bit every time. Uh, the first time I saw it, I thought it was fantastic. You know, um, and I still. You know, I, I, I still love the movie, um, but it's interesting. Like it, 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 when I first saw it, it, it hit me on a very visceral level, and now it feels mm-hmm. so much more abstract. Uh, and I don't know if I mean, obviously, the film mm-hmm. hasn't changed. Uh, I've changed in certain ways. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, y- you know, and, and it's it, and it's weird because it's it's so disturbing in so many ways. I mean, Denis is a filmmaker mm-hmm. who is who who gets you know up close to her to her subjects and um i mean unnaturally close to her subjects and the films can be very intimate but they can also be very textured and abstract right so that you know you can just like you can feel someone's skin but you don't necessarily know what's going Mm -hmm. on in their head right i mean that's kind of the Mm -hmm. that's the dynamic that that she works with where you're getting so close to somebody that you're almost ready to inhabit their body but you don't quite know what's going on in their head and that allows you to inhabit them in this weird way um and and here is a movie where she gets so close and then just the most horrible unspeakable things happen to people's bodies in this movie mm-hmm. and yet i yeah. i'm never like grossed out or or you know I mean, because they don't because they don't really come through as characters um you know it right. doesn't it mm-hmm. do, like i mean if i if you were watching just any ordinary Hollywood film, right? And something like this happened to somebody in it. 
it would be the mm -hmm. most, uh, I mean, it would just be the most shocking, unbearable. Even in a bad mm -hmm. movie, it would be like, I can't watch this. This is horrible. Um, right. right? Uh, but because the characters in some ways feel like abstractions, you don't necessarily, I mean, I, at least I don't, I mean, I, I have to turn away a little mm -hmm. bit, but it's not, you know, it doesn't hit you in that visceral way. Um, but it, but but I feel like it maybe did when I first saw it. So so the shock value of it um, might might mean something. But also you know this is the age of the new French extremity and and you know I mean everybody's everybody's doing some variation on just like terrible things happening to people's bodies. Um, so maybe at the time uh, it didn't feel quite uh, quite shocking. I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, I do. Yeah. I, one thing I was struck on 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 watching on rewatching this one for 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 today was yeah was like the 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 science of it all right like of all the like all the stuff in the lab and like you see someone like cutting up a brain at some point right and like all this sort of thing and like I do sort of do agree that yeah it does sort of like it sort of use all the like the non stuff in the labs sort of with that perspective where it's like a little bit clinical and a little bit removed from everything mm -hmm. where it's like, well, this is like an interesting subject and like, we're like, let's see what, let's see what they get up to. Um, uh, and wh where it is like, yeah, it's not so much like as, as necessarily immersive and, and more mm -hmm. just like, this is like an interesting thing to like, to look at and to think about and to, and to ponder. Um, I do. Yeah. That, that is something that I was, was, was feeling watching this the second time. Yeah, I think it's also possible as far as the shock value of it, uh, because Vincent Gallo is Vincent Gallo. There's nothing ex necessarily that he could do that would shock you. Yeah, I mean, it's like Vincent Gallo and Claire Denis' relationship uh, mm -hmm. is very interesting because they did this, uh, U.S. Go Home, and Nanette and Boney, right. right? That's the only yeah. ones. And Nanette, Bono uh, or in Nanette and Boney... He's like, it, he, he's got like the sweetest stuff in that movie where he's like working at this bakery and he's like, here, have these rolls, have these rolls. And he's uh, and this, like, we won't uh, get to that one this month, but uh, we'll talk U.S. Go Home next week. Um, but, and it's like another like beautiful moment of Denis using music where it's like the relationship of Gallo and uh, this woman at the bakery and they're like playing God Only Knows over it. And it's like such a beautiful moment. Uh, in contrast to this movie where he like <laughs> is so awful and you know just succumb to like the worst impulses of like you know man in the abstract and like it's been a bit since I've seen probably it's been since last October but like I think that was the third time I had seen it um, and I also have like the sort of what everyone's saying of like you come to it and each time it's like a little bit different mm -hmm. um, and like it's always like I, I always forget about um, the sort of like the eating that happens and it like yeah. is always that is like I'm pretty squeamish just like generally with like any sort of gore in a movie so it's it's not that I uh, you know it's not like crazy visceral like you're saying but I do all the time I'm always like oh right that's that's what is happening like <laughs> this person's getting eaten and then like the way that uh, the, the fire happens, it's just like, it's always so, uh, 
intense. <laughs> yeah. And the, the the sound in it is so crazy. Because oh. I remember yeah. when I was watching it in the theater, I watched it at midnight on Valentine's Day. And I just remember I was, like, sort of tired because I just, like, spent the entire day just walking around New York doing stuff. And I just... And I was sort of like, sort of nodding off for parts of it. There was a group of people just like laughing every time Vincent Gallo's face came up on screen. And then I remember just being like harshly woken up by the sound of a woman screaming. And then just like how red that scene is with like the fire and the blood from all the angles. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's very memorable. I guess that, that's what I'll say about it. It's like, mm-hmm. I, it's like I watch Friday night like right before this. Uh, the podcast started for the first time and I I sort of like have the same like reaction or like takeaway to both of the movies in that it's like I spent the entirety of both movies being like oh what's this about what are they doing like what is what is this and then at the end of Trouble Every Day I'm like I guess they just went on a honeymoon and now they're going home and then at the end of Friday night it's like I guess she just went on a date with a guy and it's just and it's just like it's circling back to being sort of about just like a normal ass thing happening with a lot of digressions in the middle and I find that very interesting to watch yeah I mean to go back to uh, the way that bodies are filmed that's the way in which trouble every day at least for me almost one-ups Beau Travai because like Beau Travai obviously the bodies look incredible but trouble every day it's really just like i have never seen a body look like this it's kind of just uh incredible to just like uh be you're just there's points at which you just don't know what you're looking at except that somehow it's a person well i was gonna say um one thing that i was thinking of is you know, even though, I mean, I, I said that they don't necessarily come through as characters because they're so kind of loosely defined um, mm-hmm. and, and sketch, you know, sketchily filled in. But they do come across as, as human. Um, and, and what, you know, on just almost like a physical level. And, and it's interesting to compare this to um, uh, Gaspar Noé's Irreversible, uh, which comes out around the same time. I mean, it's kind of around that same, you know, and obviously... You know, if we talk about New French Extremity, part of that movement, quote unquote, very loose. Um, but you know, the the, the rape scene in um, Irreversible, which is you know long and harrowing and just uh, you know unwatchable, and and you know I've seen people like leave the theater uh, during it and stuff. Th- you know that scene in Noé's film and in Noé's work in general, there is such a sense of force of evil. Right. I mean, it, 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 it is an evil thing that's happening. It's almost like something out of a science fiction. It's not. But I mean, that character, you know, the, the, the rapist figure, I mean, he, you know, he comes across as such a sort of force of evil that it becomes almost an abstraction. Um, but, you know, obviously, because of the relentless nature of the filming, it, it's not abstract at all. Whereas here, mm-hmm. I would argue that what you're watching on screen is even more horrific than than in irreversible um and yet like what's coming through comes across as a thing that a human is doing to another human um in a way that it doesn't in in i mean i love irreversible but i think irreversible's 
doing something very different, obviously. Um, but um, and I think that that's maybe the achievement of trouble every day, which is that I mean these I mean these ghastly things are happening um, to these people, and and it's it never loses sight of the fact that these are like humans wrestling with very human impulses even though the impulses seem completely monstrous to us um and and i think that's a very claire denis thing right i i, you know, I mean it's, it's 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 i don't want to say metaphor because I, I don't know that she thinks in those terms but it is this this idea that and throughout all her films that you know we're humans and we have these impulses and we don't know what to do with them um and sometimes these impulses lead to terrible things and sometimes these impulses lead to beautiful things and they kind of you know in in the muck of you know really troubling human experience sometimes you find moments of great beauty and compassion and tenderness um i mean i think no fear no die is all about that too um i mean this is a thing that she works throughout her filmography um, and in many ways, I think Trouble Every Day, you could say, is like the most extreme iteration of that. Um, mm -hmm. So much so that because of the nature of what she's making the film about, like it almost overwhelms sort of any discourse you can have about the movie and, and about, you know, mm -hmm. form in the film, because it's so just like, you know, in your face <laughs> with, with everything. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's an interesting movie. And in, and in some ways, if you think about Friday... I don't know that filmmakers ever feel this way. I've never asked Claire Denis about this, but Friday Night almost feels like a reaction to Trouble Every Day. Like after making a movie like Trouble Every Day, it seems like maybe she had to make a movie like Friday Night, which is, you know, in some, I mean, still very much a Claire Denis film, still about the things that her films tend to be about, but, you know, tonally just feels like the exact opposite, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, f Friday Night is one that, like, I... We talked a little bit about sh uh, Chocolat, and I watched that for the first time, like, a few weeks ago, and I was like, is this maybe, like, Claire Denis' best movie? Because I was just, like, struck by it, and it's so incredible. And then I rewatched Potrify, and I was like, you kind of can't, like, argue with, like, it's going to be her best movie because it's maybe the best movie. <laughs> and then I watched Friday Night yesterday and was just blown away by it. It's, like, so... You know, like, the tenderness you're talking about is, like, so palpable. Like, it's maybe, like, <laughs> I said this on Letterboxd, and it's, like, a, you know, pretty hyperbolic statement. But, like, it's, like, the most romantic thing I've ever seen, <laughs> that movie. And, like, just the way that these people, you know, you talk about, like, you know, not a lot of, like, uh, dialogue, Andy, you were saying, that, like, uh... Friday Night is, like, almost a silent movie. Like, there's, mm -hmm. like, a few scenes where they sort of talk, but it is, like, all just, like, glances and, like, the radio mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. just noises. And then she does stuff that's so, like, jaunty with, like, the segment where she, like, has the fantasy of, like, taking, uh, you know, Vincent Lindon to uh, her friend's house to, like, see this baby. And it's just, like, you know, they sort of iris out and you, like, have them just like sitting there and she's like you can't smoke in here and it's like oh that was just like a, a, a daydream and then there's like the weird bits of animation yeah. where like the words on the, the like the the sort of like logo of the car in front of her like shifts around and like the anchovies on the pizza are like dancing mm -hmm. and then at the end the like lamp like 
puts itself together. It's so just like it's just like delightful. It's such a good <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like those little moments uh, almost turn it into like a fairy tale. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting because this is it's a it's yeah you're right that it is like a it feels like a reaction to trouble every day and that it is just a much easier movie to watch and yet i think it's her hardest uh of the films at least post beau travail to find to see in the united states uh i think everything else has I guess uh, The Intruder only just recently had that Metrograph restoration, and then everything else is available on uh, VOD or something. Uh, but yeah, it's just like, it's not, it's not like a, a flashy movie except for in those little moments, but uh, yeah, it just, it's a very, very, just like a very nice movie to watch. Yeah, and then, like, you know, sort of talking about, uh, like, there's obviously a bigger gap, but it's, like, similar to, like, the gap of, uh, or the shift of, like, bastards to, you know, let the sunshine in of, like, right. she took some, you know, a, a lot more time there than between these two, but that one also feels like, if you're just sort of, like, watching her features, that's, like, a pretty intense one followed by a pretty light one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, let the sunshine in my impression is that it's almost more like a, a pre-reaction to High Life and that I think High Life was going to go into production and then got delayed uh, because of Pattinson's schedule and so she made Let the Sun Shine in much like this new movie that she's making with Juliette Binoche also has been made because of uh, Pattinson's Batman schedule. The thing about Friday night that um, that I always have to remind myself, when I first saw Friday night, I hated it. Um, and, and in fact, wow. it was kind of like this great disappointment for me because I, I you know, obviously, uh, you know, Claire Denis had entered my life in a, in a big way. And then I saw Friday night and I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, and and. and you know, and I, I, I absolutely love it now. Uh, I mean, I have. I've since mm -hmm. rewatched it multiple times, many, many times, and and it's you know it's it's like a, you know it's like a self care movie for me at this point, but mm -hmm. but the uh, thing yeah. that um, the thing that I'm reminded of is, you know, and, and Claire Denis is a big Michael Mann fan too, uh, but this I have the reaction to these movies that 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 I often have to to Mann films, which, um, you know, which you were talking about as well, which is when I'm when I'm watching one, I'm kind of like is is this the greatest movie ever? Like, it, 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 it's something, it, it, it has something to do with, I mean, it's not just like fanboyism on my part. Well, it is to a certain extent, but a lot of it also has to do with the t kind of filmmaking we're talking about, where they get so close to their characters and where they get so intimate with them that you're in this world, even if you don't necessarily understand what's going on in people's heads, they have this, this, you know, this ability to connect you physically with them. So you're just pulled into these worlds. And that's, you know, and the achievement of, of that type of film is once you're in that world, like nothing else exists, right? You're kind of in that reality. Um, and it's a really, uh, when a filmmaker can pull that off, it's really impressive and really, 
I don't want to say impactful because I, I refuse to consider that a word, but it's impactful. Like it's just you just like it, it makes a huge impression on you. And sometimes and, and then the movie's over and you're pulled out of it and you just want to kind of just go back into that world or you, you it's hard to imagine yeah. other like it's hard to imagine other movies existing right like you watch you step out of friday mm -hmm. night and you're kind of like yeah why are why are there other movies you know and it's just the way i feel about yeah. like when i watch like something like miami vice you know i'm like I, I don't really want to see anything else ever again i just want to see this again you know um but just kind mm -hmm. of the, the the way that particular type of uh film magic works i think because also because they don't necessarily mm -hmm. con they're not like these contained clear you know a b c d e f g type narrative so you know while while they have endings they have great endings but they don't necessarily feel like they don't have closure so you don't step out of mm -hmm. it and you're like all right that's a complete i had this complete meal and it's over you're just you just kind of don't want it to end you know um friday night is kind of like one of those movies for me and it's so weird because i'm trying to remember why i hated it when i first saw it i think it was just i didn't you know it seemed like there was a little bit too much nodding towards a, an actual plot but i didn't understand the plot you know and i think i maybe also dozed <laughs> off a couple of times you know it was like one of those sure. 6 p.m screenings <laughs> where it's like after the work mm -hmm. day and you're kind of like by about mm -hmm. seven o'clock you're just like dozing off um but uh yeah it's it's a very kind... I also found it to be kind of a sleepy movie, despite, you know, I, I think I watched uh, Friday night at 2 p.m. and uh, Beau High at 2 a.m., and uh, yet somehow Friday night was the one that I was uh, starting to drift off during. Uh, I, the, I think I, maybe in the opening minutes started to have a negative reaction to it uh, before really coming around to it and I think maybe the reason why is that in the way that like uh, Beau Travail just feels like every sort of filmic element firing all cylinders you know I think that's kind of happening in Friday Night uh, It every decision that's being made I think ultimately works but they're they feel like stranger decisions like it just the way that it is shot and the way that it's edited is uh just a lot it felt a lot stranger to me in a way that was initially off-putting before kind of becoming welcoming as i was sort of drawn more into the film yeah it's like we should say like just the you know loosest sort of uh right plot of the movie is just um, Valerie Lambercier is the actor's name and she is like moving in with her boyfriend and is gonna go like have like a dinner party with her friends like across town and she like gets in her car and it's just you know gridlock traffic because there's a transit strike mm -hmm. so on the radio everyone is like saying like if someone is like looking for a ride you know like do the nice thing and give them a ride <laughs> so she picks up uh, Vincent Lindon and then just sort of goes uh like he's like just drop me off like wherever you feel like mm -hmm. you know like i i'm not really going anywhere in particular and then they just have this <laughs> connection and at one point uh she leaves to like make a call and uh then vincent lindon starts driving her car and that's like in its in a, uh itself is like a crazy moment where he's like speeding through the streets in reverse and then it's just right. like this crazy scene 
coming out of this low-key movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they, like, you know, sort of fall up, like, uh, split off and come back together and uh, end up, like, hooking up in this hotel room and then, like, going to this, like, shitty Italian restaurant to eat food. <laughs> and it's so, I mean, it's just, like, a delightful little movie. And I was, like, every second of it, I was just, like, giggling almost because it's just so, you know, nice. Like, there's a moment where... Uh, he starts like smoking, and they like pl- she like is adjusting the radio, <laughs> and this like standard comes on basically, uh, and it's just like this delightful little moment. Um, and there's so many in it, and I was just like completely won over by it. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, I mean and uh, like I was oh, just yeah. gonna say the other little plot element is that uh, as the movie is starting out, she's packing, and it's because uh, the next morning. Uh, she's going to move in uh, with her boyfriend. Uh, and so this is kind of just this little almost like last little moment of freedom where she can do this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, another yeah, way in which it's like trouble every day. It's like a last little moment of freedom. Yeah. And it's right. and it's great because I had like sort of a weird reaction to it in that as you were saying, Bilga, like she's this filmmaker who often makes these movies about how like desire is the destruction of the human soul and body and it's just like and just like wanting things and wanting people to like see see you and notice you and like want you in the same way that they want you how like destructive of course that can be and and like your life and other people's lives that I was sort of like watching this movie expecting it to be like dark or like a horror movie and then it just ended and I was like oh I guess I was just like not watching the movie the way it was sort of operating on I was just like like I was just it was like watching a horror movie and then it turns out to be a rom-com where I was like when is it gonna go wrong for this lady when is when is the bad thing gonna happen and then it just never happens But, like, mm-hmm. it was a little reflection in the last two hours after having watched it. I can sort of appreciate what it's doing. And I, like, especially in contrast with Troll Every Day, it, it is, like, there's a lot of heart and a lot of things to love about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do, yeah. I do appreciate it in, in conversation with Trouble Every Day most. That's what I most appreciated, I think. I do, it, it is one, yeah, I just, like, I watched it and it's, like, it is a thing where I like, I don't know if I really got it. Like I like, it's like, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I have no notes. I have like, no, like, well, you shouldn't have done this or you should have done this better or whatever. But like, it's just not something that really like resonated with me. I was like, yeah, this is like, there's like an interesting, there's some interesting elements. I love, I liked the, like the more fanciful elements, like the moment when the lamp comes together and all that stuff. But like the, the central sort of premise I was like, okay, like, I feel like I've seen this a bunch of times and it's like not a story that tends to do much for me necessarily. But, uh, you know, I, I do think like, yeah, thinking about it as like a, a, as a, as a, as a, as a sibling to trouble every day, it is like an interesting, like, well, what if like, what if everything went right? Like, what if everything was, was, was good in this, in, in a, in a, in a relationship and like, it was just nice. Um, uh, and I, 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 I can't appreciate it on that term, certainly. I think also as a, as as one gets older, maybe uh, one's appreciation of that film changes as well. I mean, I can I can tell you, you know, from 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 the other side of forty eight that you know, like over the years, my relationship to that movie has changed. You know, um, I mean, yeah, setting aside my initial, you know, negative reaction to it, even after I liked it, uh, or even after I realized, you know, 
that I liked it. Um, every time I watch it, it, it feels different, you know. And and I think that that is. I mean, some films change because you discover new things in them, but then some films change because yeah. you discover new things about yourself. Um, and I think that that's mm-hmm. a film like Friday Night that doesn't give you a ton of plot, doesn't give you a ton of you know like the the the, the traditional things that we can hold on to in movies, but does give you a moment. Um, you know, a, a one night experience that I think um, that is the kind of thing that can often change your reaction to that can change over the years as, 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 as yeah. you become a different person as well. Mm-hmm. Not, not saying that you guys, you know, can't appreciate you, you you're young and just can't appreciate it, <laughs> but, but, um, <laughs> but I do think that there, there is a bit of that and, and i think that maybe in claire denise case too you know like it's it's it's, it's the film of someone who has who has you know who, who you know it's so funny for a movie in which so little happens and so little is given away as to who these people even are it does feel like a movie made by someone who has lived um a lot you know who, who, whose life has been through a bunch of things and i don't know much about claire denise biography to know if you know you know, she was going through anything at the time. It's also based on a novel, which I find hilarious, <laughs> which I've never read. Yes, um, but I was like, what the hell does the novel of Friday Night look like? Um, I kind of want to read it. Yeah. A, yeah. A short story I would yeah. buy, like a whole novel. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. imagining this like thin little, you know, 120 page thing, maybe. Um, watch. Yeah, it's going to be like some 800 page tome or something. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's yeah. the French. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, I just want this one <laughs> yeah. a day in this movie, and I'm just taking it out. Yeah, yeah and the, the the novelist co-wrote the screenplay too, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is like we we didn't mention either that Beau Travai is kind of loosely based on the, a Melville novella, and then her her next film, which we'll talk about next week, The Intruder, is based on uh, an essay by a philosopher. Uh, it is like this kind of period of her doing these sort of weird adaptations that don't seem like they'd make sense as adaptations necessarily. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, just the best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Does anyone have any more thoughts on this movie? I do. Um. Th- just in terms of availability, it is interesting because in some ways this is the most rewatchable of her movies and yet also the hardest mm-hmm. one to find, I guess. I mean, I have a DVD yeah. that I, mm-hmm. you know, procured many, many years ago that I mm-hmm. that I hang on to for right. dear life. But I mean, what like how does one see this movie nowadays? Is it is it just impossible or because I know that it's not. Uh, I mean, Criterion did. I mean, I I did manage I did manage to track down a DVD on eBay, and I was like fairly impressed with how the DVD looked, like especially compared to that first experience of seeing uh, Beau Travai. But yeah, it is like either you've got to track down that DVD, you know, there's copies on eBay, but they're. Yeah. moderately I got I got the DVD at the library like my library system okay. had a copy. so it's, yeah, there are legit so. copies out there so that's good yeah. yeah there are yeah it's one I'd love to see get the Botrify like restoration treatment mm-hmm. because like I could only imagine it looking like the night photography just looking so good and like the mm-hmm. way I was like very taken with um 
how she dis like uses dissolves in it. Like it's so mm -hmm. just gorgeous. Yeah, it has a lot of interesting like fades to black that you think like is this yes, like the yeah. end of something and then it just like cuts back to the same scene and it's just like it's a very good mm -hmm. movie about like being bored, I guess. It has it, it's a yeah. <laughs> it captures that vibe really well. I think the like fantastical elements that's what it communicated to more than like a fairy tale it's just like yeah when you're bored in traffic mm -hmm. and you start being like oh just oh yeah. Yeah. Th yeah. this car is blue and that car is red and what if i flip the colors or whatever because you're just like yeah falling asleep in traffic because it's yeah. like that tight mm -hmm. there is also that one just small moment where the guys are like arguing <laughs> and like grappling with each other and then like by the end they're just like writing out their insurance <laughs> next to each mm -hmm. other it's really, yeah, uh, just like yeah. a little funny movie. It's like, you know, Claire Denis' Tati movie. <laughs> right. I w I, it, it, comparing it to another filmmaker, I was going to say that uh, of uh, the filmmakers who she worked with earlier in her career, this is maybe her film that's like closest to kind of a Jim Jarmusch vibe. Uh, it has that kind of thing going on a little bit. Well, the, the other thing I was wondering, though, is, is it, I can't remember what was was it shot on video. Um, I could buy that. I, I can't, you know, I, I don't remember now exactly what it looked like when I saw it on a big screen. Um, my DVD does does have that kind of, you know, video e quality. Mm -hmm. um, that yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. That so like I'm trying to remember. I I, I should have looked this up. IMDb has it as. Uh, on, uh, okay. on yeah that's what I thought I, I, I thought it was kind of a little later in her career that she she more just she only sort of moved to shooting on digital once it yeah. became a necessity yeah I mean the, the 2002 you know that that year that that's kind of when people are experimenting <laughs> mm -hmm. with like did you know DV cam right. um, yeah. and you know there are a couple, some of those films that now I mean it's the, the, you know, the dogma movies and stuff like that there's some of those films now when you watch them on dvd they look fine uh but then you know then you're reminded yeah. of what it looked like when you actually saw it on a big screen and you're like wait this was just a lot of pixels when i saw it on a big screen um <laughs> but yeah no it doesn't quite make sense that she would have shot this on dvd you know that might just be the quality of my dvd yeah. um but uh yeah but yeah. it does have that i mean it's also reminds me of you know collateral <laughs> you know well yeah, that yeah, would exactly. be a great <laughs> a great i mean feature. it would actually be a great uh <laughs> series to program you know like one you know one night movies um and exactly. uh, you know yeah. i mean i think that's always an interesting when a filmmaker tries to pull off a, a, a story like that it's always a, an interesting flex mm -hmm. yeah you know for sure for, yes <laughs> i mean shout out to angus godard which we've shout out on this yeah. podcast I mean, a lot of times because uh, we've talked about the hitman movies hidden uh, movies that look very good and these movies all look very good also yeah, yeah, we we probably should have mentioned her more because she really does, and I think every time Claire Denis has, I mean, every time I've seen one of these movies and she's introduced them or something like that, there is just, mm -hmm. you know, there there's a good like five minutes straight when she just talks about Agnes Godard and how important she is to the whole project. Mm -hmm. It's interesting when you think about I mean, filmmaking. Yeah. I mean, we think of them as a person making a movie, but the the, the idea of Claire Denis is actually. You know, a, a group of people who make these things happen. It's the same with any filmmaker, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Agnes Godard is just such a huge part of... I mean, without her, yeah. mm -hmm. these things wouldn't work, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. 
I think uh, we. Uh, I think it's time for us to to wrap up. Uh, Bilga, thank you so much for joining us again. This was incredible as always. Um, anything in particular you'd like to to mention or, or or plug or anything before we before we go? Oh gosh, no, nothing to plug. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. still still writing over at Vulture, yeah. so any you know, I'm always I always have something up there. Um, but uh, no, this was great, guys. I, I loved. Uh, yes. I, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though I, I, even though I did bring them up, you know, it's it's nice to do mm-hmm. podcasts where I don't have to talk about you know Terrence Malick and Michael Mann, even though I did. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, it's um, okay. you know Claire Denise is is great, and she's mm-hmm. one of those filmmakers who, you know, every time you see any of her films, I think you discover something new. So it was great. It was great to have an excuse to just like mm-hmm. do a Claire Denis marathon. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, I hope everyone rejoins us next week when we uh, we talk about the next film, uh, The Intruder, as well as kind of going forward and back. We'll do uh, Let the Sunshine In and U.S. Go Home as well. Uh, and yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Can I Kick It or on Letterboxd at C I K I Pod. Or you can follow me on either of those platforms at JP Glick Weber, Weber with two Bs. Uh, Andy. I'm Andy. You can follow me on, on social media at Andy T. Germ, A-N-D-Y-T-G-E-R-M. If you like what we're doing and you want to support the show, we have a coffee, ko-fi.com slash canai, C-A-N-N-E-S-I. Any donations are always greatly appreciated. Cullen. Uh, yeah, Clashley on everything, K-L-A-T-C-H-L-E-Y. Uh, I'll plug Andre Rivlet. We talked about it a little bit. I watch it for the first time, and it's just, like, one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's uh, really just, you know, first Tarkovsky is just a stunning movie. Uh, Amelia. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at I'm Left Alone, and you can follow me on Letterboxd at I Left Alone. Once again, I would like to plug my review of the movie Dark Waters. I need it to hit 100 likes because that is the only form of validation I have <laughs> in my life. Have a nice this day. All right. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I forgot. Our theme song is by Tree Related. You can find them at (laughs) soundcloud.com. That's Tree Related or search Tree Related on Spotify. Now we Great. Then now I can release our audience. (laughs) We did not release our audience before that. Bye. Yes. Bye.